always ushering us into the presence of God. So much going on uh, in this world today, and so many crazy things we're hearing on the news. And as I was driving in today, I was listening to a song. The song that came to my mind was just Jesus at the center of it all. Nothing else matters. So grateful for God and for what he is doing in this church, in my life, in your lives. He is truly good and worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. I just want to uh, echo what um, Elder Zeke shared about the the marriage retreat. I'm so grateful that he said an extra word about that. Um, My wife and I had the privilege of uh, sitting and under him and um, Marie to lead uh, one of the uh, marriage uh, groups before, and that was a blessing uh, just to walk through that. Anytime you get a chance to go, whether you're in a good place or a bad place, it doesn't matter. You go and you continue to uh, be rich in that and get fed and uh, strengthen what we have together uh, so that in the years to come, the folks that come behind us will be able to see that. So thank you. I also want to highlight, um, I know it was in the announcement video, but because it starts tomorrow, uh, our 40 days of prayer and fasting. So that Monday that they spoke of is tomorrow. So if you're not sure what you're going to do uh, for the 40 days, uh, think about that today. Um, It could be as little, as big as God puts on your heart. Um, so whether that's, you know, taking some time away from video games, if you're a, if you're a gamer and saying, I'm not going to get on my video game for 40 days, or if you need to put your, you know, your phone away at five o'clock instead of, you know, being on it all night um, into the evening, or whether that's uh, taking a meal, uh, skipping lunch or dinner, um, whatever it is that God puts on your heart, but replace that with prayer. Um, and so... As, the website, as it said on the announcement, look at the website, but uh, be praying about the nation, be praying about um, leadership here at the Abundant Life, be praying about all the um, different things that are going on in the world. Um, I think one of the things on there that just blessed my heart um, was about the homeless. It's, it, it told us to pray about the homeless. And uh, I, I saw on the news the other night about, I think it was in Petaluma, is it, where they're doing the tiny houses, uh, the little tiny houses. And I just think that's just amazing to uh, bless them to be able to go from, you know, being on the streets, getting, getting a job, somewhere to work, and going into somewhere like that, like a tiny house. Um, it's truly a blessing. Um, and so just a reminder of that. That starts tomorrow. And the greatest thing about it, everyone, is that um, we get a chance to come together as a body because we're going to be praying about the exact same things, right? Obviously, God's going to put other things on your heart and you're going to go there, um, but we're going to be praying about the same things. And I'm telling you, the, the, the knitting that will happen during these 40 days of each and every one of us together, of your family individually um, I've done it for several years, and I'm telling you, it is a blessing. We don't do it to be blessed, but I tell you, God blesses the body when we do it. And so if everybody does something, um, I just can't wait to see what he does um, with that. So with that saying, um, we are in the middle of a series, as you know, um, 
If you've been here, you know that we started out talking about the foundation of the church, and uh, we talked about prayer within that foundation, uh, and then we moved into gifts, and this is our last uh, message on the gifts side, and then next week we will jump into serving. Um, and then we will have two Sundays, uh, the 2nd and the 16th, um, in which we will have some conversations up here um, with you. So if you have not yet, you uh, check your emails. We may be reaching out to you. We hope that you will uh, be um, willing and, and able to come up and, and discuss and just share with us. And so I'm looking forward to that time. All right, let's pray and we'll get into what God has for us today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for uh, this message that you have given me, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would speak, Lord, with my mouth, that you would give understanding and clarity uh, to those listening, Lord, those listening online and in the sanctuary, Lord. And God, I just pray most of all, Lord, that each and every one of us would be uh, encouraged, uh, changed, that we would be uh, edified, Lord, that we would uh, go forth and leave here today, God, with something uh, that you have given us to enrich our lives and to enrich the lives around us, Father. So we ask that, Lord, that you go before us, Lord, and do what only divinity can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, turn with me if you have your Bibles uh, with you, or if you want to launch your smartphone Bible app, uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 25. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, and meet me in verse 14. Matthew 25 verse 14 reads this way. For it is like a man going on a journey who summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on this journey. The one who had received five talents went off right away and put his money to work and gained five more. In the same way, the one who had gained two more. But the one who had received one talent went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money in it. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled his accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came and brought five more, saying, Sir, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master answered, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with the two talents also came and said, sir, you entrusted me two talents to me. See, I have gained two more. His master answered, well done, good and faithful slave. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of the master. Then the one who had received the one talent came and said, Sir, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. 
See, you have what is yours. But his master answered, evil and lazy slave. So you knew that I harvest where I didn't sow and gather where I didn't scatter. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. For the one who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But the one who does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And throw that worthless slave into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. What's interesting in this story, in this parable, is there is a previous story before this one. In the previous story, the people thought that their task was easier than it was. In our story today, uh, the parable that follows that one, the people thought their task was harder than it really was. In the previous story, for the first 13 voices, verses of this chapter, it's about 10 virgins or bridesmaids. And those 10 virgins or bridesmaids, they came forth and uh, they had, were waiting for the groom to get there. And as they're waiting for the groom to get there, um, they needed to have their lamps lit. And they each had a lamp. And 10 of them, there was, five of them came not only with their lamps, but they came with a jar of oil. And then the other five came with just their lamps. And so as they waited, the groomsman was taking a long time, and they just sort of waited and waited and waited, and they fell asleep. But as they fell asleep, they heard a sound that's saying, on his way, very close by, the groomsman is coming. And so they jumped up, and they, and they redid their wicks, and the ones who had a jar of oil, they were able to relight them. The other five said, give us some of your oil. Uh, because, you know, we don't have any. And they said, well, you should have, basically, in essence, should have thought about that. And so the five of them went off to go find oil and buy oil. But when they went off to go buy oil, the groomsmen had came. They went into the banquet. They shut the doors. And so when they got back, they said, sir, you know, can we come in? We had a problem with oil, and, you know, we, we want to come in. And he would not let them in. The door had been shut. They were waiting. In our parable today, uh, they thought their task was harder than it really was. In the previous parable, like I said, they thought it was easier than it really was. The one thing I want you to remember, if nothing else today, is it's not as hard as you think to use your spiritual gifts even if you're still discovering them, or even if you've been operating in them for a long time, but you have lost focus of what their original intent was when God gave them to you. It's not hard. The parable is really centered in the middle of Jesus's discourse around what we would do with our lives while we wait for him. That's you and I, what we do. Uh, these three men were given talents, and more accurately, they were given responsibilities, if you want to think of it that way, uh, to handle what the master had for them while he was away. They were entrusted with something of the Lord that is so valuable, just as you and I have been 
and we will see how they handled it here in this text. To entrust something to someone is a big thing. Have you ever had someone entrust something to you? Uh, have you ever, those of you who have of kids that you've ever entrusted your kids to a, another family to watch them maybe while you were away? That's not a small decision, right? When you entrust someone with something, right? I know when my kids were very little, that, that was a, a very uh, difficult thing. There were a handful of folks that we trusted with my children. Uh, when I was 17, my cousin entrusted me with her car. And uh, I went out to Gilroy, and I went to go pick up two of my good friends. They were twins, and I went to go pick them up, and we were coming down. I don't remember the name of the road, but basically, uh, those of you who may live out there or know that area, it's a two-way place. Cars are coming this way, cars are coming that way, a bunch of just roadside. And so I'm driving, and I'm driving really fast, and uh, I'm playing around with my friends. Um, again, this, is, uh, this car was entrusted to me. And so I start speeding at very high speeds. And uh, my friend, there's another car coming at, at very high speeds, and then I jump into, I know this is not good, but uh, I, I, I jump into the lane, right, of the car coming next to us of the opposite way of traffic. And we're, you know, they call it playing chicken or what have you, right? Some of you are scared to death already. Like, what did, what did, what did he do? And so we're going really fast. But, you know, the car's about 300 feet away. I already know I'm just going to zoom back into my lane. There's no cars behind me. There's no cars anywhere else. It's really quiet. And my friend got so scared that he pulled over, he reached over and grabbed the steering wheel to try to pull me back in. Nevertheless, as soon as he did that, the car flipped and we started rolling down the road, and uh, all of us were okay that day. Uh, they took me to the hospital, and they said that uh, they thought my neck was broken, and so my cousin and her mom and my parents had shown up, and they said, no, it, he's fine. You know, we, we read it wrong. His neck's not broken. But they entrusted me with that car, right? right? Some of you guys have a puzzled look on your face, like, what was he thinking? <laughs> I was 17, uh, you know, hey. But... Uh, I was entrusted with that, right? And they gave me the responsibility, and I, I returned what was a, probably one of her probably first cars. I returned a totaled car. The car was totaled. This morning, I want to take us through these 16 verses, and I want to give you some principles um, that will help you to use your gifts and everything else that God's entrusted you with in a way that sort of that pleases him. So as we look at verses 14 through 18, look back at it with me. Uh, we're noticing here uh, that they're talking about how they were given their gifts, right? The man was going on the journey. He was entrusted. He gave him five talents. He gave him two talents. He gave him one. As he, is he giving them, giving them those talents? So for you and I, as we come through this text and we look at it, the first thing I want you to see is that in our journey, whether this, we're talking about spiritual gifts or we're talking about anything else in your life, um, we need to be faithful. So the first thing I want you to see is that we need to be faithful and use what you have. Sometimes we're so busy asking God for more. You ever done that? Just ask him, God, I want this. I want a bigger this. I want a new this. But we haven't even used what he's given us already in a way that pleases him. 
We live in a time where people are conditioned to see how they can get the most for the smallest amount of effort. You see it around you, don't you? You see, don't you? Does anybody work with someone like that on your job where it's just they just want to get the, the most for the smallest amount of effort? So we need to be faithful. Be people who are faithful, even over a little, right? The Bible talks about being faithful over little things. How many were faithful over little things? If you're supposed to be somewhere, be there. If you, you know, if God calls you and he says something to you about, you know, you tell your kids, or if you're newly married and you say, this is what we're going to do, start out well, right? Some of you, many of you, I've, I've spoken with you, with you guys, and you've been married for between one and five years. There's a lot of couples in our church who have been married under five years. And when I think about that, Start out, you have an opportunity to start out. You're not going to get it perfect. We're never going to get it perfect. Uh, Elder Zeke shared with that. That's that's every man, by the way. Um, You're never going to get it exactly perfect, but you are, we ought to be working at it. We ought to be faithful as best as we can, as best as possible, right? As men, as, as wives, as husbands, as singles. Be faithful. And then as we get to verse 19, and if you read verse 19 with me again, it says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. After a long time. You know what that means? That means that after a while, meaning he was gone for a little bit, meaning sort of like Jesus is right now in our lives. By the way, that's what this is talking about, the return of Jesus. And so as, he's, as we're waiting for him, as he's given you these years on this earth, whatever that is, whatever your lot is going to be, we ought to be people who are fruitful. So the second thing I want you to know is be fruitful. It says after a long time. That means we're in it for a while, Right? It's going to take some time. Be fruitful. When Jesus comes back, will he find us doing everything we know how with the gifts that he's given you? So be fruitful. Are you seeing the fruit of what God has you doing right now? When I think about the fruit, there's several ways to think about that. Two of the primary ways we know are the fruits of the Spirit, right? So are you seeing gentleness and kindness and love? And are you seeing fruit? Are you producing in your life? Are you producing disciples? In Genesis 1, the Bible tells us to be fruitful in what? And multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. That means that things in our lives, they, we ought to be producing, right? Not, not in the way that we would think, though, right? Not in the way that the tech, we live here in the middle of Silicon Valley, not in the way that the tech world would, would tell us, right, to multiply. Right? That, they, they have a different view of what it means to multiply, right? God's view is a kingdom view. So multiply. Be fruitful. So be faithful. Be fruitful. And the next one is in verse 24. Be mindful. Be mindful. 
This is not a hard message. This is going to be a message you can easily apply in your lives, I hope. And hopefully God will allow me to speak it clear enough to you that you can do that. But be mindful. Look at verse 24. He says, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Be mindful. You know what I think about when I think about the way that he responded? I don't think this man understood who the king is. And I think that's in our lives sometimes today, that we don't understand who, who God is. We, 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 we try to make him like we think, right? And, and, and our, in our world, right? And we don't bring him into it. Isaiah 55, 8, 8 through 9 tells us what? He says, our, my thoughts are not your thoughts, right? My ways are not your ways. He's, he's different. So we have this idea sometimes, and I wonder if the man in this story and in this parable had an idea of God that was just not accurate. How are we thinking about who God is? I heard several people say before I came up, he's a loving God. He's a good God. Right? He's a just God, too. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's times in the Bible we know, I mean, even here, right, as I'm reading this passage, uh, I'm looking at this, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and I get to verse 30, and he says, you know, throw them out. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? And, you know, when you first look at that, sometimes you think, well, that, you know, that seems a little harsh. But really, God is a just God. He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what we need. And I have to trust, and you have to trust, that he knows what you need and that you can have a view of him that is biblical. If you have to look at Isaiah 55 every day or once a week to remind yourself, you don't think like, I don't know what you do, but you can be the smartest, most educated, most well came up in all the perfect neighborhoods, but it does not matter when it comes to the way that we think about God. He's, I, I can't even say he's 10 times smarter than us, right? It, it, it's, it's infinity, right? He's, his ways above, way above, we can't even grasp. We can't even grasp. So be faithful, be fruitful. Be mindful. Be courageous. Be courageous. In verse 25, it says, So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Be courageous. Listen, I understand him being afraid. You understand that, you know, people get afraid. They're scared, right? He said, I was afraid, so I hid the gold you gave me. I hid the talent you gave me. I hid the responsibility that you gave me. I just sort of tucked it away. I hid the talents. I hid it all. And actually, we can add to be afraid that embarrassed maybe. Sometimes you have a gift and you want to go and use it, and maybe you see someone else who has the same gift, and you're thinking, I can't operate like that. I, I but it's that comparison thing. Comparison is a killer. Amen. You look to the person and you say, 
I, I, I'm just going to hide this over here because I can't do it like they can do it. First of all, you don't know what the other person is going through. They may be scared because they're thinking, I can't do it like this other person can do it, right? But just be okay with however, whatever it is that God gave you, whatever it is. I see my brother running around here and doing and serving uh, our brother Joe, keeping this place going in terms of facility-wise. But if you have that gift... No need to look at him and say, I can't do it like he can do it. How do you know? You, God is able to take whatever it is that you have and make it work for his glory and for his purposes. You all sitting here have something. And, and, and let, me put, let me add this. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're sitting here today and you're, and you're, you're a teenager, God's got something for you to do as well. Never discount yourself as when, I'm, when I grow up or when I become adult or when I become 18 or when, when I become 21. All of us have met some teens that you wonder, like, I wish, you know, I wish I was like that when, when, they, when you were their age, right? There's some people who who just did maybe things a little bit differently? Are they just engaged in, in, in ministry? And you wish that, man, if I would have got started earlier, right? But it doesn't matter what age you are. So be courageous, right? Don't be embarrassed. Don't hide your gifts. We need to see them. We need to see them working, right? Some of you are, you may be at work and, and your gifts are coming, right? Because God, God's not one-dimensional. Your gifts are coming to pass on your job, right? Or you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing them there. Now, we talked about how spiritual gifts are to edify the body, but, but remember, God's not one-dimensional, so that overflows, right, into what you're doing. That overflows into your work. That overflows into your family. That overflows into the nonprofit that you uh, volunteer at. So be courageous. Try it. We're going to talk a lot about this when we talk in the next four weeks when we talk about serving, what that looks like and, and how you can just be courageous working that out. And then be a good steward. Be a good steward. Now, this is not easy, right? We all have challenges when it comes to being a good steward. But in verse 18, it says, but the man who had received one talent, went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money, right? He wasn't a good steward of that money. He wasn't a good steward of that gift. He wasn't a good steward of that responsibility that was given to him. It says the third man buried it. One translation actually says he carefully buried his talent. So we don't want to get too, you know, too hard on him. I think he actually cared. Based on my study, I think that he actually did care. He, was, he said, Master, here, listen, I, I have your talent here. It's in the same shape it was when you left. And he guarded it. And I love that word that says carefully. So he regarded the things of God, but he just didn't get it right. I think he cared. It's not that he didn't care. He was just not a good steward. And I think many of us who do not operate in our gifts, we care a great deal. 
We care a great deal about the people around us. So that's nothing for you to be embarrassed about or afraid about. Some of us just don't think about how we should steward gifts. How we should steward anything when God gives you something, right? Not all servants are given the same amount. You notice that. So five, two, and one. Each has a different capabilities and the gifts that's given to him. Now, let's not get that twisted where you say, okay, so does that mean that my wife has three gifts and I have this one gift, and um, so there's something you know, special about her, or this brother or this sister has you know, all these gifts and I just have this one? That's not it. He says a different capability is given to him. God knows you. He created you. He knows how you operate. He knows where, how he wants you. He has his reasons for doing the things he does. He may give someone three gifts who can operate in those three. He may give you one, but he may use that one to go in a broader span of people. You just never know what he'll do. He's God. Amen. Let him do it. Amen. And it's okay. We don't have to worry about what other people have. So he gives them to each person according to how he wants, to the grace given to him. And God knows this, and that's the reason why he put scriptures like Romans uh, chapter 12, 6 through 8, that says he gives them according to the grace given us, given to us, right? So we have to get to know God and his character through this book. And when we know God and we know his character, guess what? Then we know who he is and we know how he operates and we know when it's him and when it's not him. You got to know when it's him and when it's not him. There's a lot of things you can hear and see and be a part of. It may not be him. So that we don't want to confuse who he is with what the world says he is or what things around us say he is. So it's obvious that this man did not know his master. He didn't know him. And I wonder if sometimes we as Christians, as Christ followers, view God in ways that just distort how we think of him, right? Even as Christians, his plan for our lives, do we distort that? Some of you have made some great, grave mistakes in your life, right? Think about it. You you might not want to think about it. But all of us have made mistakes, and some of us have made really, really, really big and grave mistakes, you have done things that, that have you thinking that you're never to do anything for God, that you're just supposed to sit quietly, sit in silence, and be thankful that you're where you're at. But God loves you more than that. He loves you much more than that. He's looking at you and he's like, listen, I saved you. I got a plan for you. Don't sit on what I've given you, regardless of what you think about your past, things that you've done, things that you're ashamed of, guess what? He's still going to use you. Stand up, dust yourself off, keep giving your life to him on a daily basis and let him use you. Right? And uh, one scholar I want to read, his name is Craig Bloomberg. He's one of the translators for the New Living Translation Bible. He said this, he said, this type of view of God proliferated among ancient religions and unfortunately 
We see it far too often among Christians today. So we sort of brought that over from all these ancient religions where they have this warped view of God. And we see it in the Bible too, right? Not just outside of Christianity. We see it in the Bible. We see statues and things that they worshiped and didn't want to wait for Moses. And so they started building something according to their thoughts and according to who they think God was. And so it's everywhere. But we ought not to bring that into the church. So let's not let our view get in the way and the way that we view gifts he has given us, the way that we use them or our pursuit to discover them. Some of you are on a discovery journey, right? And uh, as you're discovering along the way, just be, continue to believe and remember who he is in your life. Our God is loving, he's kind, he's just, and he wants the best for you. But many times the best that he wants for you he can't do it unless we're in the center of his will, unless we're seeking him, unless we're speaking to him, unless we're asking, ask and receive, ask, just keep knocking, just keep knocking, just keep knocking, keep asking him. Remember, if nothing else, remember not to make this harder than it really is. Let's look at verses 21 through 23. So starting in verse 21, he says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many. The man who had two talents, the same thing. And then his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share the master's happiness. So one servant we talked about has five, right? One has two. And then when Jesus commends them in verses 21 with the man that had five, and the man have two, notice that there wasn't any difference in how he addressed them. He addressed them the exact same way, the one who had five and the one who had two. But when he got to the third one, the reason he addressed them is what? He wasn't using them. He just, God's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for perfection. And that's something that I've, I've, uh, God's put on my heart to teach a lot is that sometimes we just, we're looking to perfect and that's not God. And that's not you. <laughs> that's not me, right? We're not perfect in any way, shape or form. But God looked at those two people and he answered them the exact same way. Matthew writes that Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's that word again, faithful, with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. So you get to share in his happiness. This makes God happy when you use your gifts. This is not a hard passage. It's very straightforward, but applying is not so straightforward. So what does this tell us? It tells us to do something. Amen. <laughs> do something. Whatever you have with as much knowledge as you have that you have to do something to build the body up with what you have. Right? Don't get stuck on what it looks like. It will flow from serving here at ALCF and will sometimes overflow into LinkedIn and overflow into Target and overflow into Home Depot and overflow into Microsoft, the high school, the middle school, the preschool, the uh, toddlers that you work with, wherever you're at the nonprofit, your own business, it will flow over into those things. God is not one-dimensional. 
He wants to reach the world. It starts here, and it goes as far as he purposes it to go based on us collectively as a body and also us individually. So in verse 26, the story in this parable comes to a climax. God tells him that he was afraid, and God says, you evil and lazy slave. Now, the word lazy there sounds straightforward, but it literally means lagging behind or hesitating. Is anyone here today hesitating to use what God gave you? That's what that word means. It's akneros, to hesitate, to hesitate like you're hesitating to use your gifts. See, the third man should have invested what he received like the fellow servants, right? Sometimes we come to a passage like this and we're like, oh, I know that passage and we check out. But guess what? Every time you go through a passage, God will reveal new things to you and you'll see fresh perspective and he wants you to listen to it and see it and apply it in your life. So we look at this man he allowed himself to be paralyzed by fear. Fear. There's a good fear and there's a bad fear, for lack of a better illustration. Right? There's the fear that paralyzes you, which does no one good. It doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do the people around you any good. It doesn't do the church any good. It means nothing to God when it paralyzes you. Right? But then there's the fear, a godly fear, Right, which is more of a reverence for God. And you can say, well, yeah, you know, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure how I'm going to move forward with this gift or what it, what it is that God has given me to work with, but I'm just going to step out. I'm just going to step out and I'm going to try it. I'm going to see it in a small way. Where can I plug in at that I can exercise this? Because this is what God gave me. He wants me to use it. Guess what? There's a place. There's a place here. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is find. Pray about it. Pray about it. Because sometimes you don't even need to ask him. You can just sort of see. God will show you. He'll have you run into somebody who's, who's maybe leading a, a ministry uh, that he's been speaking to you about. Or you'll hear it from someone else. Or you'll hear it when you're you know, driving down the street. Um, there's many times where God will confirm something. I'm listening maybe to KFAX or something, and I had took a several couple years off where I wasn't listening to it anymore, and then I went back to it, and it's just God will, while I'm driving, sort of confirm things for me or, or give me an, another passage of Scripture that I didn't think about, and I'll go home and I'll look at it, or just encourage, send an encouraging word. So just pray. Pray and see what he'll do for you, um, and he'll get you going. So don't be paralyzed by this fear. The, the Lord says in the, in the Bible, it says the beginning of wisdom, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Healthy fear comes when we acknowledge, we have a knowledge of the love of God. While paralyzing fear for the third, experience nothing of God's love. Did you see anything in there of God's love? Yes, he loves him, but he didn't experience God's love because he's experiencing God coming, letting him know, like, why didn't you do something with what I gave you? It's for you. It's a gift. This man wasted his investment and failed to advance the kingdom of God. The point is that each one had done his best to his ability. So here's the word 
words of the two fellow servants, right? And the great reward which their faithful service received. So he get to hear that. And so he ought to know by listening to that what it is that God wants. Yet he comes with no joy and confidence to explain why he handled the things the way he did. I knew that you were a hard master. That's an excuse. So in essence, he regarded God not as he is, but according to his own views. This man read his own character into the conception of God. The Bible speaks to us about this in Psalms 50, 21. It says, when you did these things and I kept silent, you thought I was exactly like you. But now arraign you and set my accusations before you. It's not like us. This servant didn't know the heart of the king. So how is it, how are we, how are you and I at knowing the heart of the king? At knowing the heart of God? Like all of us, God entrusts all of us with a portion of his resources. He's given you a, a home that he's entrusted with, something to have a, a roof over your head, somewhere. The third servant who received the one talent, he literally played it safe. He played it safe by burying his talent and waiting for his master's return. His life failed to realize any impact or gain for God. Why? Because he played it safe. So I'm, we're just talking. We're just talking. I want all of us. Told you, my job is to, to show you what the word of God says and hope and pray that you will apply it and give you opportunity, right? Here to be able to go out and do it, to equip you to do it. So why do you play it safe? I can tell you from personal painful experience that playing it safe, not willing to take any risks, sometimes will take your life in directions that God never intended it for it to go. can tell you. Playing it safe. We only have so many years. I've been looking. I, I, get, I get just excited when I see um, people like in their, in their 90s. There's something about 90s. I have this thing in my head that I'm, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to live to 90 and then I'm going to be done. And, uh, <laughs> but I, just talking with people and, and just running into folks who are in their 90s, and it's just crazy to me because they are so in tune, talking about believers, so in tune with what God is doing and so have given their life, right? They, not that they're mistake-free, not that they're perfect or anything like that, but it's just it's great to be around people, seasoned folks who are on the other end, so to speak, and it's just a blessing to, to sit with them. I don't know about you. That's just something that I just love. My, my, um, my wife's um, uncle it's the same way. We saw him in the hospital just days before he, he went, and he's just sitting there, big. You guys, one of those big bobbles, like half of this podium, right? I don't know if it's because he can't see or if it was what it was, but it was just his big laid out on his bed. And, uh, and, he, and I literally I get around folks like that, and uh, I just literally was taking notes, mental notes, and then I go to, my, go to my car and I put them in my phone. It's just something I do because I, I always try to remember when, when people speak wisdom, especially people who are of the faith. And, and he just sat there and he was just saying things. And I was just like, you know, you know come out with, you know, page one. Um, 
But I say all that to say that when we're operating in God's way and with his gifts, God gives us everything that we need to be able to accomplish it. And so whatever lot you have, you're not promised tomorrow. And that's where I was going in terms of, we don't, you don't know what your, what your time's gonna be, but whatever time you do have, let's use it in a way that pleases God. Not just with your gifts, but with your talents, with your personality, your experiences, your attitudes, your finances, everything that you can think of that God has given to you. We wanna do it and treat it in, an, in a way that pleases him. Why does he care? Because he places in our care what is his own. They belong to God. What a privilege it is to be trusted with the things of God. And the great thing is, is none of us is entrusted with more than we can handle. It's right there in the book, right? But neither are we entrusted with less that we can handle. So over the next four weeks, starting next weekend, we'll come down the mountain and start talking about serving. And I don't know about you, but I just have this expectation. I just have this expectation that God is, I'm praying that God will show us in this last part of the series um, what his church should be and what should do. That's how we started the series off if you were here on the first week. Who should we be as the church? What does that look like? I want you to stand with me. And just bow your heads. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I know a lot of times when I say this, see folks peeking. Bow your heads. Just, just give me a minute. Give me a minute, I'll let you go. Bow your heads, close your eyes. We don't want to be that third servant today. If you buried your gifts and your talents, if you're afraid to use what God has given you, maybe embarrassed, if you're unsure of yourself and you know that it's God's, what God's given you is his anyways, but if you're unsure of yourself, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do and you know it, quietly slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. See your hands. Many times we think everything we have and everything we're doing is for us. We want to keep everything for ourselves. But I want to pray for the person that says, that you've been saying in your life, I don't want to help anyone. I don't want to serve anybody. I don't want to sacrifice. It's just you've been living all about yourself. And God wants to change that today. Secondly, if you're here today, with your head bowed, eyes closed, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, something you heard today resonated with you. Perhaps this is 
you're on a journey right now of discovering who God is. If you're here today, I want to pray for you as well. If you would just quietly slip up your hand. God says that the day you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Father, we come in your presence today. We come first thanking you for what you have done. Thanking you for who you've been. Thanking you that you've given us grace and mercy. That you've been long-suffering for many of us. we're so grateful. But we also know, God, that once we hear the word of God, that you call us to act on it. So God, I pray, Father, for those hands that went up of those who said that they're afraid. For those who are sitting there, Lord, wondering how it is that they're supposed to use their gifts. For those who have hidden it and they've buried what you've given them, they've buried the responsibility that you've given them, given them as a member of the body of Christ. And you want to change that today, Lord. God, I pray for a supernatural encounter with you for them that they would see you in new ways, even this week, God, that you would direct them and show them exactly what it is that they should be doing and using to build up your body. And God, that you would help them to connect right away. That you'd give them and put a path in front of them that they may get there. Help them to have the courage to tap someone on the shoulder and ask for help if they need it. And God, I pray, Father, for those, Lord, who do not know you, both here in the sanctuary and those online, Lord. God, that they would know, even through the word of God today, what your Bible tells us in Matthew 25, Lord, that you are a God that loves you are a God that calls us to be faithful, God that calls us to be good servants, a God that calls us to steward well. And that they would want to know more about you. So God, in this moment, would you give them the courage, Lord, to say yes to you, to give their lives to you, Lord. And we will help them on their journey along the way. God, we love you. We thank you for these moments, Lord, to just quiet ourselves, to bow our heads and not look around, Lord, but just to focus on you so that we can understand and we can remember and that you can speak to us about what it is that you want us to do in all of our lives, Lord. Not just those who are afraid, not just those who want to seek 
Christ, but those of us who have been walking with him, Lord, you have something for us. Help us to see and to hear what it is. God, we love you. We praise you. We adore you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.